1: You're listening to the Tom Roland Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective.
2: You'd be surprised how many campers we have come to us with a lot of behavioral and educational disorders as far as like ADHD and ADD and and confidence issues like you're talking about. And when you put them in an environment with something that they love with other campers that share the same exact values that they've never met before... It is incredible, the turnaround that you see. And that's not just in their fishing skills. That's in their communication skills and everything. I mean, we have campers from all over the country who all speak the same fishing language. They've all watched the same YouTube programs. They've all watched your show. Um, They know about everything that's going on. And they're from Colorado. They're from Georgia, New York a lot of texas and they all are talking about the same lures they're talking about the same videos that they've seen i mean it's really it's really interesting and, and cool to see my name is parker Rabo, and this is the tom roland podcast
1: Over the years, I've gotten a lot of questions from parents who have kids that are really into fishing and they want them to have the opportunity to do more fishing. And one of those opportunities seems to be kind of a summer camp kind of a situation. But a lot of parents find that there are plenty of summer camps that offer fishing programs. Uh, It's part of the summer camp. So you might ride horses, you might do a little fishing, you might do a little rock climbing, canoeing. All kinds of stuff like you have at typical summer camps, but it was quite a while before I found any sort of a camp type operation that was all about fishing. So I started doing a little research and I found my friend Matt Budd has Jupiter Fishing Academy, which is really cool and had him on the podcast to learn about his program, which is fantastic. And then I also learned about someone else after that podcast. I had one of the list, the listeners send me an email saying, Hey man, you should check out this one. So I tracked it down, checked it out and it's called, uh, Florida fantasy fishing camp. And it's a really cool program. I don't want to spoil it for you because I had a great conversation with, uh, Parker Raybow, who is the gentleman who started this camp. Very great story, started as a, as a project in school and it has materialized into something much, much bigger and impacting lives all around. One of his uh, uh, most famous alumna or is uh, Chasten Whitfield who also happens to be the first guest ever on this podcast. So I thought that was kind of cool. We had a great conversation about all kinds of stuff, college, entrepreneurship, how to get things started, what this camp is like, what it's all about, and certainly how you can get your kids into it if they are if they are so inclined. So, great conversation with Parker Raybau and check out his stuff. I think you're going to really like it. All right, Parker, I'm glad you're here with us. Thanks for sitting down. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no worries. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you.
1: Yeah, well, I've had so many of my customers, so many of uh, the, the people that watch the show send me emails. Over the years, people are looking for a way to get their kids to into fishing, to have the opportunity. And right. summer camp seems to be a great opportunity for that. But in my limited research, I haven't come across many places where there is a fishing camp. Yeah, I recently did uh, a podcast with Matt, Matt Budd, who does who does the Jupiter fishing Academy. And that's a pretty cool thing. He kind of does these half days and I was very interested in that and talking to him to find out what he was doing. But then shortly after that, I came across your stuff and, and you contacted me too. So I'm super excited to hear about what you have going on.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of camps around that have fishing as a component, but there are very few that, uh, fishing is the main squeeze. Um, and I did look into Matt's uh, program, which is phenomenal. Um, and there's actually a couple others that have popped up around the state in the last couple of years. Um, but honestly, the fact that there's not a lot um, going in the fishing camp world has allowed me and these other guys to grow because people can find us easiest by simply searching online um, there's not a lot in the whole country, so we pop up at the top in some of these searches. So um, I've been lucky enough to benefit from some of that. Well, how
1: did this, how did this whole thing start?
2: Um, well, I was finishing up um, a graduate degree at the uh, University of South Florida here in Tampa, and I was getting a master's in entrepreneurship. Um, we needed to create a business for a small group project, and I grew up fishing, fly fishing um, in my backyard here in Tampa. And I felt like I could do a great job teaching and working with kids. And I knew a few captains in the area. Um, So kind of put two and two together, uh, did a little market research. There was nothing like this around. This was 2012. And I just kind of threw this together and put a little business plan together for a school project. And it really wasn't something that was supposed to be a moneymaker or a career and it kind of exploded under my feet. So um, that's, that's
1: Yeah, awesome. it's been one so, lucky adventure. What school was that that you went
2: to? Uh University of South Florida, USF. And that is, okay, that and is they have Canada.
1: a they have a uh, a really good entrepreneurship. They have program? a
2: fantastic that- they have a fantastic masters in entrepreneurship. So I went to so, Florida State you- in Tallahassee. Got an undergrad in entrepreneurship, came home, and then I went for a graduate degree. After that, all right. Well,
1: in my in my world right now, I have I have three kids. I have one that's 21; uh, he's out in Montana at Montana State. I have awesome. uh, another one that is uh, 19. And Right this moment, he's in Alaska on a Knowles trip. Oh my god! Sea kayaking and backpacking, and then he's going out to the, uh, Montana State in Bozeman as well. After spending um, a year at Belmont University in Nashville, uh, didn't did, that one didn't really fit? And then I have a, a daughter who is uh, going to be a junior next year, so college is something that I'm talking to my kids about a lot. That we're you know we we've already been through the the whole college looking process. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I hear so often with kids is that you know, they want to, they want to go into business or whatever, and they end up going to business school. And this is what happened to my son. He went to business school and it was so incredibly boring. And it was all about big business and things that he never saw himself using. And he eventually changed his major over to something else and then changed it again. And I want to know about the entrepreneurship program. Like how is, how is entrepreneurship program different. I mean, when I went to college, we didn't have entrepreneurship programs.
2: It's definitely a new style. And it really, I think has to do with the, and people have a different ways of viewing this word, but the millennials aren't the most, they don't want to work to make someone else money. They want to work to make themselves money and successful. So it's, it has been a shift in how students are looking at their life and their career. For better and for worse, there's pros and cons to that. But anyways, these entrepreneurship programs are exploding right now, and I was lucky enough when I was at Florida State in Tallahassee that this program was just starting the year that I had to choose what I was gonna do. I think it was sophomore year, Um, and I heard about this entrepreneurship program. It really focuses on idea growth, um, small business management, so like you were saying it doesn't touch on the macroeconomics of a big business and big finance. It's really about seeing opportunities, identifying problems, solving problems and then somehow creating a business around that. So right. in my That's case good. there was not there was nothing going on for kids who love to fish, who live in a town where fishing is all over the place. Um, so I kind of solved the need that I saw, uh, which is one example.
1: How, how often do you think it is that, that someone in their project creates a, a career or, a, uh, at, at, at mo- at best a career at, right. At- at least a lifestyle kind of a hobby, kind of a thing that exactly. could do something in your, in your case, it's turning into a career. How often do you think that's happening? I don't in, think in it, it needs program?
2: to happen more. It definitely not enough. Um, uh, in the gr- in the, the, the friends that I made over the course of my studies, um, in my graduate program, I would say that including myself, maybe three or four, um, students out of a group of 40 made it a career and a, and a viable business. So they need it. I mean, it's just, and, and honestly, people could have created a business on their second and third try. A lot of people, it doesn't work on their first try, which is normal and good. People can learn a lot from failure. So I mean, that's kind of um,
1: entrepreneurship right there. Like, exactly. I mean, you, you have to embrace up and- the
2: risk for sure. For sure. And they teach that and they go over that and they talk about how, failing is a good thing. You're supposed to fail. That's where you learn the most. You don't learn the most when you succeed on your first swing, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's that's more convenient a convenient component and more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so when you're, when they,
1: when they're, um, kind of outlining, I mean, I'm assuming this is like your senior project that this, this camp came from like, or your thesis yeah, this basically. Is, this or is, like-
2: yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's in your, it's in your last year. So, um, okay which isn't considered So when they assign this, when they
1: assign this to you, like, what are the parameters that they're looking for? I mean, I guess you could kind of, you're, you're kind of coming up with a fictional business that kind of, so what are the parameters that that they're asking you you to? They
2: want you to outline a five-year model with a optimistic, a pessimistic, and something in the middle financial plan for how it could look in five years. And it, as a part of that, they want a, a business plan, which has a ton of components that I, we don't need to go into, like SWOT analysis and market research um, and stuff like that. And then they want you to go out and find businesses that align kind of with what you're doing. So I contacted a couple um, bigger fishing companies in our area. The offshore fishing business is a little bit more put together. So I contacted a company called Hubbard's Marina. They run uh, party boats and smaller charter boats. And I kind of work with them and align just to get some industry standards because there is no real industry standard for a fishing summer camp. Um, So they want you to put things together like that and then present to a board of professors um, as a thesis at the end of the semester.
1: And so when you did all this research, did you have any other ideas or was this the first one?
2: This was, this was the first one. So I, like I said, I got, okay. I just got, I just got lucky. But I would imagine has,
1: that some of your, I, I would imagine that some of your classmates are kind of coming up with, okay, well, I'm want, what about a car wash or something like that? And it's like, okay, well, there's 500 <laughs> oh, there was car washes here.
2: Ideas. There was a, a lot of medical device stuff going on. And that's what they, they were honestly pushing for tangible products versus a service-based industry or service-based business. But I, I came up with this and it just seemed to work. Tampa has a unique, um, the stars kind of align here for this kind of business. There is proximity to fantastic fishing. There are a ton of families, which is not the norm in Florida. Um, and then there is a lot of growth and money in Tampa to you know for people to have the income to do this kind of thing. So there's a lot of places in Florida that have great fishing and the financial means, but there's not the families, there's not the kids. There's not the number of kids there. So Tampa is a unique situation.
1: so when you're when you're kind of getting the go-ahead like you have to present this to all the that board of professors and then yep. they they tell you okay this meets all the parameters that's a good subject for your for your project is that how it works and then you're kind of nobody this.
2: yes and when i presented the idea there wasn't a lot of wows or great idea going on <laughs> um i don't know in the academia world i guess fishing and guiding. They don't, it's just such a foreign entity that people just don't know, just don't know enough about it to really respect the industry. I
1: mean, I I would not worry about what those people thought about anything at all, but, but the, the, the fact that they say, okay, well, this, this is kind of meets, meets all, checks all the boxes, right? So go ahead and this can be your project. And then what I'm curious about is like, Once you get the go-ahead to do that as your project, at what point did you kind of go, you know what, this isn't a fictional business. This could actually
2: work. Right, right. Well, once I reached out to some potential customers, and my customer is really the parents, and I had some mutual friends of my parents, actually, who I reached out to just to get their thoughts on the idea. And they asked when I was going to run it. <laughs> I mean, they were ready to go right then and there. So that was kind of the light bulb moment for me. And I actually, during this, um, this semester, I had my summer free. I wasn't, they didn't offer classes during the summer. So I really, everything was just pushing me in the direction of, let's try to run this and see what happens. And There was another component is that I didn't need to put a lot of um, capital into the business to start it. I contacted and um, contracted with a local marina. Um, I reached out to a few local guides who I knew, um, who I liked and who I trusted, and who had families and they were full-time. And if it ran, I paid everybody, and if it didn't run, no skin. So it was really a low risk situation in year one. And that's kind of the beginning of it all. So, yeah. And
1: so how how many years have you been doing this?
2: So this, we are entering our seventh summer. So, uh, the, yeah, so it's been, and honestly, the first year we had, I think 28 campers, 28 fishermen and
1: 28 in, in one session or 20? No, that the was, that summer? was
2: divided by two. We did, I just did two weeks. So every, okay. every session, as far as the, my fishing camp goes is a five day Monday through Friday session for a day camp. We've now expanded to overnights, which we can get into, um, a little bit later, but yeah, we started with 28 campers in 2012 And, uh, I just registered my 495th camper a couple days ago for this summer. Wow. So it's crazy. You,
1: you, you have 495 kids coming this summer,
2: this summer with 250 on waiting lists. Cause I've been full since March.
1: So, yeah. Okay. So at this point, what's the bottleneck?
2: Like the bottleneck. That's a great question. The bottleneck honestly is the locations.
1: Okay. And yeah, well, I need. Well, let's talk and, about that. Like, what what does it what does it look like? Like wh- are these people, I noticed, like on your website, it says that you have overnight camps, you have got day camps, you've got a scuba camp, you've got all these different things. What does this look like? Let's let's just take the day camp yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So the day camps, like I mentioned, are week long sessions. So every Monday, a new group of campers come to the marina. Um, they're signed up online, I have pre-organized them into fishing teams of four campers and they are assigned a professional captain that they're gonna fish with all week. A lot of times they know campers in camp and on the registration form, they've requested to fish with their buddies. A lot of times they don't know anybody so I organize the boats by age. Um, the camp, That day camp is ages seven, to 14. So there'll be a boat of seven, eight-year-olds. There'll be a boat of 11, 12-year-olds and so on. And they fish a four-hour trip every day with the same captain so they can build camaraderie and teamwork on the boat. And then after lunch every day, the captains will stick around and we'll do a fishing-related skill activity. So we'll do knot tying one day, target casting, um, how to throw a cast net. We get the Florida Fish and Wildlife involved, and on Fridays, they come and give a talk on boater safety and conservation. Wow. So that's kind of the inshore camp. We do the same thing for offshore fishing. Um, because of the funny red snapper laws in our state, um, I'm not able to run as many offshore camps as I want, um, but uh, that's a whole nother can of worms. And as far as the overnight sessions go, that's when that was uh, about four years ago that we started those. And that's when um, the camp really started taking off because now kids can come from all over the country and even the world um, to come to fly into Tampa to fish with us. So I wasn't limited to just, you know, local campers.
1: Right. So, where will these people stay on the overnight trip? Like, what are the accommodations? The the
2: day camps are at marinas. So, um, there's a local marina, Hula Bay Club is the restaurant and marina in South Tampa. Um, Hubbard's Marina is the offshore day camp. The overnight where we stay, actually, the university that I completed my graduate studies, USF, has a St. Petersburg based satellite campus, which is on the water with a full marina. So, I was able to work with them and going to that program definitely helped. And they have a dormitory on campus that is not utilized during the summer. So on the bottom floor, I know it, it is awesome. And if you saw the place... It is like a country club of a um, of a small university. I mean, it's beautiful. It, it sells. Are itself. you able
1: to use the dining hall and? and yeah, for of? sure. Huh.
2: Yeah. So the first floor of this dormitory uh, of the residence hall has a full cafeteria um, with all kinds of stations: pasta station, entree station, um, salad bar, grill. St- I mean, it's crazy. And they wake up, have breakfast, we do room inspections, and they're going down to the docks. The captains are all waiting for them. And it works very similar to the day camp like I described, except it's just a lot more fishing, a lot more activities. Man,
1: and so what, how many um, do you limit that to? The, the that, that, camp,
2: camp? that camp is 32 campers a session, while the day camps are 24 campers a session. So we were talking about bottlenecks. And I take back what I said. The bottleneck is the location. The bottleneck really is quality. And I am nervous to expand too quickly and not give every single camper the quality experience that I um, value. So that's really my main problem is growing too quickly. I don't want to do that. I, I really focus on everybody catching a ton of fish Learning a ton and having a great time. We have a eighty to ninety percent return rate, which is something that I think is way more important than my bottom line. So that wow. that's really my main my main stick is is sticking with the level of quality without growing too fast.
1: Yeah. So what about? Um, I mean, it sounds so much like like these kids are are just you know completely. Um, Submersed in, in fishing knowledge throughout the week. Like, have you had some kids that you see like some real turnaround? I mean, I would imagine that, that this camp would also really help some kids confidence. Like
2: for sure. And you'd be surprised how many campers we have come to us with, um, a lot of behavioral and educational disorders as far as like ADHD and ADD and, 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 and confidence issues like you're talking about, and when you put them in an environment with something that they love, with other campers that share the same exact values that they've never met before, it is incredible the turnaround that you see. And yeah. that's not just in their fishing skills. That's in their communication skills and everything. I mean, we have campers from all over the country who all speak the same fishing language. They've all watched the same YouTube programs. They've all watched your show. Um they know about the everything that's going on and they're from Colorado, they're from Georgia, New York, a lot of Texas and they all are talking about the same lures, they're talking about the same videos that they've seen. I mean it's really it's really interesting and and cool to see.
1: That's cool. So Yeah. I'm sure I want to know about the evolution of this, like when, you know, you're talking about kids that are from seven to 14 in the day camp, right? Is right. that what the age was? So, yeah. Like in, in having, in raising three kids of my own. And then when I started, you know, taking them fishing, I really liked it. Like I thought, okay, this is really cool. I'm getting to do all kinds of different things. I'm getting to, uh, you know, put the fly rod down for a little while on the tarpon and maybe that's go up against the mangroves. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes, but when you're doing it, you know, from, from, uh, from January all the way through yeah, you know, July without taking a single day off, I mean, it's kind of nice to, uh, do something else for a change. And so I would take my kids and we'd go snapper fishing, we'd go up against the mangroves, we'd do some shark fishing, we'd do all this different stuff, and, you know, the near shore patch reefs and all this stuff. And, and it opened up a whole new world to me. But one of the things that I, um, I really noticed with them, especially with, when they were younger than seven, but even at seven, like you gotta, you, you, you have to keep the rod bent and you have to, you have to kind of select species that are, you know, good for that particular young child at that time of their fishing career Mm -hmm. that they, you know, it's not too difficult. It's not too, um, It doesn't take too much patience. There's going to be some good action. How are you kind of selecting what you're fishing for?
2: So the guides will, they do a fantastic job. And honestly, the success of the camp really falls on the group of captains that we have. Um, And they are phenomenal. And they can suss out exactly who they're fishing with on day one on Monday. So a lot of the guides will start the charter each morning with mackerel fishing. And mackerel fishing in Tampa Bay in the summertime is phenomenal. And it's exactly what you're describing. It's like nonstop action. You can see activity on the surface. You can see splashes and long runs. They have teeth. They get big. Um, They can be chummed up right behind the boat. So it really checks a lot of boxes, especially when they're fishing with young, younger campers. Um, right. And then it, some and of then, the older campers that have seen shows and they know the value of a quality stuff, then they do. They start going over to the mangroves. They start doing a little snook and red fishing.
1: And then what about how do, how, how does it look offshore when you when you're out there?
2: The offshore fishing is is the same in that they can go to certain spots and they can do red grouper and gray snapper and porgies, um, and they can get very consistent bites. And then what they'll do, they might keep, um, a Bonita and they might do a day where it's a lot slower fishing and they'll go after Goliath grouper and they might get, you know, two or three bites that day, but they're big bites. So there's definitely two sides, um, two sides of that. So, it, yeah, offshore is not as easy to implement as inshore. Inshore, they can do both in the same day. They can do a lot of mackerel fishing and get a lot of activity going, and then they can go after and try to get a big snook in the afternoon.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. How much do you think you're, you're talking to the kids? or I, I don't know. Is this even a, a thing that you talk about, like trash fish versus trophy fish or, or I mean, in my opinion, there is no they trash. Come, fish. They
2: come with a lot. I agree. I mean, I, my favorite fish are mackerel and ladyfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they that's bite. The, that, they, <laughs> they bite, and that is what they love. They come to camp with a lot of preconceived notions. So, a, and we can eliminate a lot of those by celebrating and photographing every single fish that they, that they catch. Um, every captain has to take a picture of every single fish, and we release 100% of our fish. I don't allow any, any uh, keep your catch. It's all photo release. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens on, to
1: those photos during the week?
2: So that's a great question, because on Friday we have a comprehensive um, award ceremony where we go through like 80 slides of the top fish and the top funny photos of that week. So there is definitely a biggest catfish, biggest ladyfish, biggest Jack Craval, along with snook, redfish trout, mackerel, snapper, sharks, tarpon, you know, everything else. So, and everybody's getting an award. There's a lot of laughs. You know, we celebrate the small fish. Uh, just for biggest snook, there's also smallest snook. So mm-hmm. definitely, uh, yeah, it's definitely funny. And it really does just, make sure that everybody is is getting value from everything that they've caught and everything that they've learned
1: yeah that's that's super important especially to start people like that i mean it's one thing to kind of grow into something but it's another to start your fishing career thinking that one fish is better than another and, right. and catching that fish is a waste of time when it it all builds like you just oh, don't they, go out and catch a blue marlin because you you're that's what you want to catch i mean it, exactly in my opinion someone's fishing career however in depth that needs to go i mean mm-hmm. basically should start with a, a cricket and a bobber and move your way up to whatever it is you know fly fishing for permit or fly fishing for marlin you know right. or 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 you know things that are even more difficult than that and right. um I don't know. I think that that's a great approach. What you have going on is yeah.
2: I mean, we've been lucky in that um, once, if they had a preconceived notion about a catfish, once they're fighting a big one for a few minutes, it could be anything, you know. And they're having a great time doing it. So you can just see that evolution, and especially when you're fishing with other kids right by you, and everyone's like cheering you on and wondering what you have, and kind of the excitement. And curiosity about the whole thing. It's really, really cool to see. And you can see it in their faces in every photo.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. So what do you think? Um, like at this point, where does this well, we hadn't even talked about the scuba camp. So you have another camp that's a scuba camp as well?
2: Yeah. So there is a scuba program that's limited to six campers. Um, and that age is 10 to 15, um, Patty requires that you are at least 10 years old to get your junior open water um, certificate. Um, And that camp requires a lot of homework before camp even begins, but it runs the same um, style as the other ones. It's Monday through Friday, and they're doing three pool dives, a spring-fed lake dive, and a drift river dive. And on Friday, they take their final exam and they're issued a temporary license and then their real license will be uh, mailed to them in a couple weeks. So that one, wow. yeah, that one um, is a very small camp. It's very boutique-y um, and it's very popular. It's, it's just campers can only do it one time. It's to get your license and once you have it, you know, the camp you know, doesn't really do much for you. Um, but that yeah. one's a really well, cool one. And to see the f- underwater photos of them learning and smiling and, uh, doing buddy breathing and all the stuff that they have to do, um, to get certified is really cool.
1: That's cool. So at what point did you decide to expand from the, I mean, we talked about it a little bit that you went from the day camp to the overnight and that was kind of a big thing, but then, then you went from the, the, those two to include the scuba, I guess. Right. Well, I'm
2: trying to diversify a little bit, um, and stay within the Marine world. But a couple of years ago, I have a, uh, a guy who actually certified me when I was 12 years old, right down the street, wanted, we were talking about potentially putting a program together. And we had been, we've been doing it for three years now. And it's been, it's been great. It's just, it's just, honestly, it was a way to, to diversify the camp a little bit and reach campers that may not have found us otherwise. And I do have a lot of crossover business between the scuba camp and the fishing camp, um, or the fishing camp to the scuba camp. So
1: So. do you have kids that are coming from out of town that are doing like a couple of weeks and then doing the scuba camp? I mean, like,
2: yeah, so we have a lot of mixed situations. Um, a lot of kids, a lot of parents will come to Florida and vacation and send their, um, their child to camp during that week. And that allows them to do the day camps like the scuba, um, and the inshore day camp. And then we have some campers that their parents will send them here, um, from somewhere far away and they'll stay for a month. So you don't have to do, if there's consecutive overnight weeks, you can stay for as many as are consecutive. So in our case, that's four.
1: Wow. That's awesome. So now you've been doing this for seven years. Have you had some, some kids that have continued on in the fishing or that you're you're maintaining contact with it or now yeah, too old for your for, for sure. Your so a, a lot
2: of campers have come back as counselors, which is always awesome. Oh um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's been really cool. To see somebody at ten years old, you know, come back as a sixteen and seventeen year old and be a junior counselor and help out is is so rewarding to see. Um we all we also have another um camper, uh, Chastin Whitfield, who has become kind of a female fishing, uh, personality. And she I, is, I'm
1: well aware of Chastin. She was oh, okay, on our show yeah. and, she, she and did the camp uh, a she was long also, time ago. she is, has the, uh, distinct honor or maybe I, I, I think of it as a distinct honor. She might think of it as something else, but she was <laughs> the first guest on this podcast.
2: She really? The first one. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, That's I started awesome. the
1: podcast with Chastin and uh, she came down to do the show. We did a saltwater experience episode. She I think Permit I've seen. I, I had
2: definitely seen the show. I didn't know about the podcast. That's what well.
1: I that night, I was just you know, it's not like so many things. It's probably like this camp for you, or or so many <laughs> other things for so many other people. I thought about doing a podcast for the longest time. I. Then it was like, well, I don't know what kind of equipment to get. And then, you know, it, you're, you're hemming and hawing. Finally, it's like, I'm just buying the stuff we right or wrong. I'm just going to buy it. We yep. got this, this trip coming up. We're going to have, uh, I had Chasten come down I had, uh, Will Taylor come down and I thought, okay, well, these are, you know, we'll film the show and then we'll do the podcast after and, uh, still. Uh, her podcast is one of my favorites that I've ever done. She's she's doing great and and can, has continued on to uh, college oh, fishing. She, I'm yeah. following her now.
2: That's I mean she is a, a f- awesome story to follow. And I met her six or seven years ago. She fished the camp a couple years in a row. They're from a little bit south of Tampa, so it was a trek for them to come. But they they came um, and they brought friends and they had an all girl boat during during awesome. camp. And that was like in my first year one or year two so it's really cool to see her develop as a successful angler um and do what she's done um she raises all kinds of money for uh kids in need and, and and that whole that whole area so it's really cool to see
1: yeah and uh any other stories like that like somebody that has come back as a counselor or
2: um i, know, I mean him. as far yeah nothing Chasten's definitely gonna win that win that battle for sure (laughs) (laughs) but uh, i've had a lot of campers who have come back and they had they have made a connection with the guide that they met at camp and they have gone on to be that guides like mate during their tarpon season Um, a lot of the inshore captains in tampa don't utilize you know first mates or, or or help on the boat but during their tarpon season which is kind of coincides just before our summer camp season starts. A lot of these guides are doing um, their tarpon stuff, and I have a lot of campers who are working with them um, during tarpon season, which is probably one of the top jobs for a 15-year-old that I could think of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you learn a ton by being out on the water at 4 a.m. and picking up clients at 8 a.m. and fishing for eight hours, you know?
1: Yeah, you might learn that you don't want to be a fishing guy when you grow up.
2: Yeah. For sure. That's one thing. <laughs> I mean,
1: that's a, good way
2: to, that's a good way to do it because
1: a lot of people become a fishing guide and then do that and they're like, oh, damn. Yeah, no, no, definitely like did, the
2: right way to do it is to try it out first.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I talked to this one girl recently and she had, um, she had gone all the way through nursing school, completely through, and, and had the gr- greatest grades, like top of her class. And then she gets her job in nursing and she doesn't like it. Wow! And I was like, it's like, well, so I, I once was talking to this All young right. lady who went to nursing school and she graduated yeah. at the top of her class. She, uh, she, you know, she was remarkably smart and, um, she gets out of nursing school, gets her first job and she hates it. And I was like, so why, like, how does that happen? Did you not, did you not try it before, yeah. you know, as a summer like deal to follow somebody around to shadow for a day to, and no, she had just never done anything like that. And then launches into a career.
2: And you know, that sounds, yeah. Well, it sounds so familiar to fishing guides because it sounds so sexy looking from a, from afar, you know, and then they dive in and it's not what they thought it was going to be. So she definitely fell into that same situation.
1: Well, we've, we've talked about it so many times on this podcast about the difference between being a guide and being someone who loves to fish. And there is a, there's a really big difference. And it's probably something that you should, um, you should talk to your students about and your campers about, because like everything that you're, that you're doing is leading them to a career in the outdoors or, or at least to, understand that that's something that could be possible, which in my case, I didn't know that. I never, I never was around a fishing guide growing up. And so it was completely new to me. But one of the things that might be an interesting conversation is to say to your campers, like, you know, there's a really big difference between being a fisherman and being a guide. And if you you love to fish, being a guide means that you you don't get to do what you want to (laughs) do
2: anymore. Like, Exactly. You watch people do it. I mean, it's, it's an outdoor, it's a professional teacher versus a angler. So that is definitely a difference that is not outlined enough. Right. And a lot of kids and everybody, I mean, kids and adults alike, they view being a fishing guide as being the top angler, but it's really being the top teacher and the top instructor. That is a great idea. That couldn't have been said
1: better. I mean, like, and not only just a top teacher and a top instructor, a top communicator. And a top communicator means, you know, when I look at guides, good guides and great guides, one of the things that stands out is their ability to communicate before the trip even starts. And and that's probably something that you have become much, much better at in the last seven years of talking to these kids, talking about their expectations. And that's something that I wanted to talk to you about a little bit is like when you're saying that people come with all kinds of expectations or, or, you know, different, different opinions of what a good fish is or not a good fish or what they want to do or not want to do as a fishing guide, the great guides are the ones that can really First of all, they're not desperate because they got plenty of business and they can say to somebody, you know, what you're asking me to do is not really what I do that much. And I want to, I want to kind of introduce you to my friend who that's what he does. Like if somebody says, I want to go shark fishing right in the middle of tarpon season and this guy only fly fishes for tarpon. Well, if you're desperate, you have to take that shark trip. And you don't want to take that shark, right? Like that's not what you want to be doing. So that doesn't turn out to be a good day for the client. It doesn't turn out to be a good day for the guide. But if, if, uh, there may be another guide that that's what, that's their bread and butter. That's what they want to do. That's couldn't, they couldn't be happier. Exactly. And so to communicate.
2: And referring that business. Yeah, exactly. And referring that business, um, is going to do wonders for you moving forward because it's going to make you look better. Even though you're not making money in the short term with that trip, you know you're going to gain um, in the long term with people, you know, liking the decisions that you made and appreciating right. your honesty.
1: And then that other guide is going to get the fly fishing guy that he doesn't really want to take. He's not set up for it, and he's going to send it back your way. So you know that, that not being desperate right, is exactly. one thing, but also to uh, to discuss. Like, what, what are you hoping to, uh, accomplish on this trip? What, you know, I want to catch a bonefish on fly. Okay. Well, maybe don't come in December. Um, I mean, it could happen, but there's way better months, you know, and let's, let's talk about what that looks like. And if you come in December, you know, we might be catching Jack crevells and barracudas and mackerels and stuff like that. Is that something that you're interested in? If they're not, then, I mean, some of these people call and they just, have some time in December, but they also have some time in, you know, May and they want to catch a tarpon. But if you don't ask them like, okay, well, uh, if you're really looking for tarpon, like this is kind of the time of the year. And they say, oh, okay, I can do that. Yeah, sure. Uh, sometimes it's just that easy.
2: Yeah. And managing, um, expectations on day one is critical. And it's funny that I have a ton of all the captains in the camp are phenomenal. And they all do different things as their bread and butter. But the best guides are not the best fishermen. The best guides are the best communicators. They all catch fish. They all put up awesome numbers and quality and quantity. But the best fisherman does not always mean the best guide. And a lot of times it's, it's not. So it was very diff- interesting for me to see that over the years, and it took me a long time to figure that out. Um, but the best guides are the best communicators. So for sure. how
1: are you doing um, managing expectations when you're fielding all these phone calls? I'm imagining like this this camp is probably a year round job for the most part. I mean, you have to fill it through for the, it for the rest of the year and then you have to run it during the season. Oh
2: yeah. The back office work takes months before the actual camp, you know, goes for three right. months.
1: So when you're, when so, you're fielding uh, these calls and emails and stuff like that, like what, how are you managing the expectations of, of the campers, of the parents of, of, you know, trying to say, you know what, you know, it's fishing. We could have bad weather. Um, <laughs> yep. Like, oh Yeah.
2: It's a tr- slippery slope for sure, and like we talked about, the ladyfish and the mackerel bites are very consistent, and I can lean on those. But everything, like everybody knows, is weather dependent, and it is fishing. It's not guaranteed catching. But one thing that I can say is that when there is a camper or a or camper or two who have not caught something noteworthy, everybody has to catch. Fish. And that is something that we work very hard to do. And usually, 99% of the time, you know, every boat's putting tons of fish in the boat um, every day. If there is an issue, all the captains and all the campers rally around that issue to put that person on fish. And it's really cool. We have group chats and group discussions. If that situation is approaching and it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, everyone kind of rallies around and the captains will share notes, share bait, share information, and they will make it happen, um, for that, for that group of kids. That's cool. So yeah, it is cool. And the camp, you know, having a bunch of guides fishing, picking up and fishing this generally the same area for the whole week. Um, it really, you know, the, that, that amount of information and time on the water really makes it easy for someone to help someone else out in that situation. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, um, that's
1: really cool because the team, the team aspect and, and you're kind of eliminating a lot of the comp. I mean, it sounds like you kind of keep a little bit of the competition. People want to win the biggest award, you know, for, for want to win the biggest snook or whatever, but then there's this underlying theme of, look, it's important that everybody has a good time because again, that's where, If these kids go into a career in outfitting or guiding, that's the most important. It's not about who catches the biggest. It's about, did everyone have a good time? Was everyone safe? Did everyone return to the dock and want to do this again tomorrow? That's the most important Exactly. And, uh, you know, instilling that in a young age with these kids is super, incredibly cool. Mm -hmm. What you're doing.
2: We try to... Well, we try to keep some of the competition on the camper level, but zero competition on the guide level. And as I'm sure you know and seen, there is a competition (laughs) going on in the industry. (laughs) Believe me,
1: you can eliminate the competition between those guides, but there is competition between those guides.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So those, they're, they're all, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they are all on the same team and I only, you know, bring in new captains and there is no shortage of captains in our area, um, which I mean, and that's everywhere. And I, I really only bring in referrals captains that are friends and are full time and have families of their own and have been running their guiding business for 20 plus years. Um, and they've got to be in the circle with the current group because the last thing um that i want is any kind of competition you know getting ramped up a little too high in the camp so that's something i mean i it's something that i have to juggle is that the, the talents that i have you know you have to manage all of these you know, these personalities I would think
1: also Um, I've been lucky. I would think also that that a big critical piece of that is that the captain actually wants to do this and is excited about it because you could be uh you could have four hundred world records and be the best fisherman and guide there's ever been in the world and the last thing you want to do is hang around with a bunch of kids. That's not gonna be a that's not gonna be a good addition to the camp, you know.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. And I mean, there is a lot during, like I said, this camp falls after, like just after our big migratory tarpon push. So a lot of these guides have done that. And this is kind of their something fun to do after a stressful tarpon season. So I get, I, again, just really lucky in how it fell together. But yeah, these guides are very, very excited, um, you know, to, to change it up for a couple of weeks when they yeah, fish with that's us. That's
1: cool. So a, a, at seven years, you you're at the seven year mark, obviously some things mm-hmm. have had to happen to where, you know, you see some, obviously some potential in being able to make a living, be uh, some potential and being able to grow this. But I would imagine that you've also had some situations that are quite rewarding. Um, and that's what I, I'm interested in now. Like what, what happens that, that, you kind of like this so much that you want to
2: continue
1: down this road?
2: Wow. I mean, there's a lot of things that are rewarding about the whole thing. I mean, honestly, and I, and I have gotten to the point where I am not at every single camp every single day. I'm, you know, moving amongst three or four sessions a week. So I don't get to see everything like I used to. And, and I really, that's, One of the most rewarding parts um, of the business is when all the campers are getting off the boat onto the dock and walking up the dock to the restaurant, to the marina, and just the smiles on their faces and to be able to go down and be the first contact on mainland and give them a high five and ask how they did that day, that by far, I think, is the most rewarding part because that's the most, they can't wait to tell you. They can't wait to tell you what happened, what they saw. They saw a dolphin like eat a mullet, and then they caught a redfish right after that. I can't believe it. I mean, there's stories everyone's got stories just like we do now. I mean, you know, I was sharing tarpon stories with um a buddy on the water yesterday. They do the same exact thing at ten years old, so that is that is one of the most rewarding parts. yeah,
1: that's awesome, man. It just seems like just seems like such so, a cool thing. I don't know how this has not been on my radar for 7 years because I, I swear <laughs> I've had so many people ask.
2: I'm not the so I, I'm not I'm not the marketing genius well, that I need I to mean, be. Well, I mean, if but, you have uh, a
1: 250 person waiting list, it sounds like, you know, what more marketing yeah. is needed, you know? I mean, I guess you obviously want it to get out there to as many people as possible and that, let as many people have the opportunity exactly. to go to this camp, but 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 for at sure. the same time there seems to be some sort of a bottleneck. It would almost seem like the you could eliminate the bottleneck by by franchising it out or, or spreading it over to another coast. But there there seems to be Yep.
2: I have I've dabbled in that a little bit. Um but maybe I'm not as risk averse or maybe I'm more risk averse than I claim to well, be. Well you never know, man. Someone but, might uh, listen to this
1: podcast <laughs> and say, you know what, that's I'm retired and, and this is my life's mission as well and and uh, i want to be a part of this and let's
2: i am more yeah i am more than uh, open to, to that kind of situation and there are other areas in the state that i think would be phenomenal you know for this kind of model what
1: do what do you think the uh, I, was you, just... I mean we talked about it a little bit but what do you think the recipe is for for the for the right area
2: the recipe for the right area would be proximity to good fishing. And honestly, I don't claim to know every style of fishing around the whole state, but in South Florida, um, off of like Palm beach, the proximity the inshore fishery is just not what it is in the keys or the West coast. I mean, they're, their, their topography is deeper water jetties and, and stuff like that. So that might not fit an inshore camp style. And I know that people are going to you know have arguments against that which is fine and and i'm admitting to not know you know all the opportunities there but somewhere like a saint augustine or jacksonville that might have proximity to good inshore fishing and a lot of families there's excellent inshore fishing in the everglades and in naples but i don't think that they have the fam- the family like population density to really blow it out, blow it out of the Mm -hmm. water. Um, so the three factors are proximity to fishing, um, families that live, um, in that area and families with the, um, with the financial stability to send their camper to a camp. Yeah. And I
1: guess you also have to, then the, the final piece is what, what you have so nicely in the accommodations and the marinas
2: Oh yeah, well that's obvious. Yes. Yeah, that is the fourth part. You're absolutely right. Is finding a great clean professional large marina um with food and lunch capabilities and that's not even to mention an overnight camp which would require, you know, even more on the water um residence hall and stuff like that. So there there are a lot of factors, but it's definitely not impossible and Tampa is not the the you know the end all be all you know Yeah but it's a, it's a great um, place for you to It's a big s- town it's a great place
1: for you to start because you're deeply uh ingrained in the community you know a lot of people you you're able to you know utilize the university there right. like that's a perfect place for you to start and I I mean man I really hope that you uh that you that you move this out to a bigger a bigger—it's got to be. It's got to really go. do yeah. because I think for it's sure. one of the coolest for sure opportunities. And you know, I mean, I had some emails earlier. We have this email address for the podcast, podcast at saltwaterexperience dot com, and people often write in and tell me guests that they would like to hear or have questions. And and the start of this was someone asking a question about summer camps for kids that that had fishing and and just like we talked about, like not right. just have fishing and you're going to canoe one day and fish the next day do archery the next day ride horses the next day lots of camps have that but where can you go to have a uh, a full-on summer camp fishing experience and i didn't know and in doing just a little bit of research you know i, I well i remembered matt um having his camp mm-hmm. the fishing academy great opportunity for kids but he doesn't have the overnight opportunity there like, like you do. And then this thing comes up. Right. I'm, I'm just super excited to know that there, there are some of these. And I'm hoping that after people hear this podcast, they're like, Oh no, there's another one in Colorado. You know, you can do this or or you can do this one over yeah. here.
2: Yeah. I've heard of some good ones in Texas. Um, there's a good one for like older teenagers in Canada. And cause I, I get to see campers that are coming to my Program and then going on to another one, like taking a flight to Canada from Tampa. After, um, so I have heard of a couple. I don't have the connections, like, and and I haven't met those people that run those programs. But uh, there are a few scattered around the country, um, you know, that focus on what we're trying to do, and and that's get kids outside, and 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 they'll catch a fish or two, and. Um, you know, they'll have it, they'll be hooked for life just like we are. So do
1: you go to ICAST?
2: I do not. I am forbidden from ICAST because that's smack dab in the middle of my summer program, And I've wanted to go forever and I should break away for a day or two. You could certainly meet
1: a lot of people, but I'd be willing to introduce you to, um, a lot of the, the partners that we have.
2: I would r- really appreciate that, and I might take you up on that. If it's not this summer, it'll be next summer. It's well, in I mean, uh, the, we, the second yeah, week. Yeah, of I think so. July. I mean, we
1: wouldn't necessarily need to have to have to do it at iCast, but you know, there's a lot of companies that that understand that you know youth fishing is is the future of the entire industry, and I'm sure that there's lots of people that would like to get mm-hmm. involved, and and um, just like me like I'm someone that that has kids and because I have kids other people that have kids kind of ask me questions about kids and stuff yeah. and I didn't even know about your program. So the chances are that there's lots of people out there that are they saying don't. we need more youth programs and they don't even know that yours exists. So hopefully this podcast exactly. will be good for that but um happy to introduce you to it will be to introduce you to some other people and and then you should leverage Chaston Whitfield as your as your uh, as your ambassador for your camp, I, I have, and <laughs>
2: yes, she is great. Yeah, she's good like that. She's good like that. Yeah, that is a great connection. Yeah, well, I like I like being.
1: her the story of her going to your camp because you know I know her family well uh, now, and we did that that show, and both her her parents came down to make sure that everything was ab- above board. And we invited them down to, you know, like, yeah, you all <laughs> yeah, need yeah, to come. Yeah, 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 of course. And so they all stayed at Hawks K. And then I got to know, uh, you know, her mom and her dad and her little brother. And then we did the Yellowfin Owners Tournament together. And um, her little brother, God, I believe he got a slam. I know he caught a big permit down there. And and that was super cool. Yeah,
2: he is a good fisherman yeah. in his own right. Yeah, he
1: is. But but yeah. for, a, for someone like Chaston to to go to your camp, you know, that's, that's saying a lot because, you know, of course she's very accomplished now and she's, you know, not, a, not only accomplished in freshwater and saltwater, but even back when she was that young, she was still had an opportunity to fish with her mom, who's probably, sorry, man, but yep. she might be a better fit. She's probably a better fisherman than her dad. <laughs> uh, and I hope, uh, you oh, know, yeah. I hope we're still friends.
2: Well, she's definitely learned everything she knows from him and then grown well, even more. Let me more. tell you, man, her so, mom her mom is know, a
1: great fisherman. She is she is a great fisherman. They
2: all are. But they but all for, are. For
1: her to be able to go to that camp and and have a good time, even having the yep. opportunity well, to walk out her back door and go fishing basically anytime she wants. And she's still coming to your camp and having a good time. I think that speaks volumes for like what the camp is all about and the fact that That
2: exactly. And I've had that same. Yeah. And the
1: fact that that kids, you know, sometimes like it's fun to go fishing with your parents and all that. But it's also really fun to go fishing with people your own age.
2: Exactly. And that's what that's really she brought. She was able she was lucky enough to bring one or two friends. And I think that was the main draw at an early age is, you know, fishing, you know, like you said, without your parents, fishing with your friends, um, and learning on the way, but really just having a great time and being able to relax. And, you know, you're in an environment with a fresh captain who's teaching you new ideas. You're in a slightly different area where you don't fish and you get to fish with your best friends.
1: That's super cool. So So how much of, of kind of what you guys talk about is, is associated with, just having a good time.
2: It's a lot that without mentioning having a good time. I mean, that just comes when, you know, when, when you guys want to focus on everybody on the boat, being able to, you know, catch fish, everyone on the boat, jumping in for funny photos while someone's holding a fish, everyone's making faces behind them, you know, working, focusing on boater safety and safety equipment, you know, all that stuff ties into you know, this is for fun. This is not something that is going to be super serious. Um, You don't need to tiptoe along the boat and crouch down when a school of redfish is approaching. They just need to just have a good time. And honestly, when you're laid back, and that's the style of fishing that you're embracing, you catch more fish just by being, you know, calm and collected. That makes it so much more fun and, and impactful yeah.
1: that's cool man well i'll tell you what so, i'm i'm really happy to know about this program I'll, I'll definitely put a link on the website and in the show notes and stuff like that because there are a lot of people out there that want to do it maybe this summer's a little bit too late but you could plan for you could plan for next summer
2: for sure i really appreciate you know all the opportunities and connections the, the 2020 summer dates will be published in september of uh, of this year. Okay.
1: So how so does everybody, right how, how would, um, if somebody's got a kid that wants to, uh, possibly attend this camp or they want more information or sponsors want to get involved, wh- what's the, what's the process? Yeah.
2: So the process, um, really is easiest online at fantasyfishingcamp.com. There's registration buttons on that site. There's also a schedule page. And you can register right now. People are registering for waiting lists, but come um, September, like I mentioned, they can register for next summer's dates. Um, and honestly, I am open 24-7 via email, text, or phone call. Um, and my number is on the website. And people have called me and I have, you know, saved them a spot before the, the, the dates are posted. And communicated with parents um, you know especially if they're coming in from far distances um, I've communicated with them about you know future camps and, and future sessions so everything everything is posted on the website and there is an online camp portal where you create a family profile and you're able to put your camper or campers in in um, in the sessions that that work cool. for you say base.
1: again what the what the website is
2: yeah the website is fantasyfishingcamp.com.
1: Well, man, I wish you all the best of yeah. luck with it, and um,
2: thanks, Tom. I really appreciate yeah, you having me.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm interested in the camp. I think it's really cool. Yeah. So, uh, good luck with it.
2: Awesome. Thank you very much.
1: All right, Parker. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Let's talk to you later. Okay. See ya. Thank you.
0: anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.